welcome to Your Best You Today, the online radio show that uncovers the hidden truths and dispels the myths about food, nutrition, and exercise for anyone of any age. Every day you make dozens of decisions that will either have a positive or negative impact on your health. Join naturopathic doctor Kevin Jackson, along with Rob Heppel, to learn how you can start making your best you today. Welcome to the Your Best You Today show. I'm your host, Rob Heppel, and joined with health expert, Dr. Kevin Jackson. Dr. Kevin is a naturopathic doctor and has been helping people find natural solutions to health issues for over 25 years. With the Your Best You Today online radio show, we're going to dive into common health issues and explore natural solutions to them. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Kevin. Hey, Rob. So, Kevin, I think uh, you know our last episode we had was about uh, some... Uh, questions that have been sent in. So if uh, you, the listener, have uh, your own question, please make sure that you uh, do that. You can do that on the website at yourbestyoutoday.com. But today, let's talk about uh, the five common health myths. How does that sound? Great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, start out here uh, right off the bat with number one. Is it best to eat many small meals throughout the day? Well, you know, this is... um this myth is pervasive. I, I hear it constantly. You know, it's often suggested that people should eat many small meals throughout the day to keep their metabolism high or to prevent hunger or to stop blood sugar from crashing or to lose weight. And studies clearly disagree with this. Eating two to three meals per day has the exact same effect on total calories burned as eating five to six or more smaller meals. And this was uh, actually published in the British Journal of Nutrition in 1997 and uh, 2010. Uh, Eating frequently may also um, have benefits for some people, like, you know, preventing excessive hunger. But it's incorrect to believe that this affects the amount of calories we burn. Uh, There are even studies showing that eating too often can be harmful. A new study came out recently showing that More frequent meals dramatically increases liver and abdominal fat. And this was published in Hepatology, May 2014. So um, eating frequently throughout the day tends to perpetuate blood sugar and insulin dysregulation, thereby uh, causing the individual to move closer towards type 2 diabetes. Well, yeah, and we were talking earlier about how frequent uh, meals may actually cause weight gain. That's right, Rob. You know, new research uh, that was actually published in Cell Metabolism, December of 2014, it was done on some rats that, um, and it showed that those that ate at all hours and frequently through the day became obese and metabolically unwell compared to rats that ate the same number of calories but limited the eating to a 12-hour period daily. Um, Those rats maintained a lean body mass. This is what I've found in my practice. And in fact, Um, You know, if people want to lose weight, uh, one of the big issues is, and we've spoken about this in previous episodes, uh, insulin elevation. And if you eat frequently through the day um, and you do have an insulin issue, you're going to perpetuate typically more insulin production, which is going to lead you down the path to more weight gain because insulin promotes weight gain. So, you know, if you want to see more about uh, that specifically, you can look at our episode on um, carbohydrates. Uh, There's a couple of episodes on carbohydrates, uh, and there's one on insulin resistance. 
Hey, Kevin, you know, you know, in my uh, long career of dieting and trying to get into shape, I've done one of these things where, you know, trying to eat five times a day. And if you don't keep your portions really limited, you're going to totally gain weight. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, I mean, just, you know, caloric intake uh, alone is going to play a role in that. And the more calories are potentially going to cause more problems. But, you know, typically when people eat more meals, they eat more carbohydrates too. I mean, typically that's what happens anyway. And so that's going to cause more problems because of the insulin issue. Great. Well, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's move on to number two. Myth number two, eggs should be avoided because they're high in cholesterol, which promotes heart disease. You know, we've been advised to cut back on whole eggs because the yolks are high in cholesterol. Um, however, cholesterol in the diet has re- remarkably little effect on cholesterol in the blood, at least for the majority of people. And, you know, studies have shown that eggs raise the good cholesterol, or the HDL, and don't raise the risk of heart disease. And this, there, this was based on a study uh, that was published in Clinical Nutrition and Metabolic Care in January of 20, 2006. And there's many studies that actually back this up. You know, an excerpt from this particular study states, we need to acknowledge that diverse healthy populations experience no risk in developing coronary heart disease by increasing their intake of cholesterol. But in contrast, they may have multiple benefits Uh, beneficial effects by the inclusion of eggs in their regular diet. And one uh, one review of uh, 17 studies, so this is a meta-analysis, they took 17 studies, put them together. Uh, It was a total of over uh, 260,000 participants took place in this altogether. Uh, And it showed that eating eggs had no effect on the risk of heart disease or stroke. In addition, people with higher egg consumption had a 25% lower risk of developing hemorrhagic stroke. So this really flies in the face of what we've been told for the last 30, 40, even 50 years by uh, typically medical doctors, you know, still tell their patients, oh, your cholesterol is a little high, cut the eggs out. Uh, And that's just wrong. And in fact, I usually increase people's egg consumption, assuming that they're not sensitive to the eggs, um, because it's going to increase their HDL, which will increase their ratio of uh, between the good and the bad cholesterol, which is going to help in the big picture. So whole eggs are really are among the most nutritious foods on the planet, and almost all of the nutrients are found in the yolks. So telling people to throw the yolks away is outrageous. Um, eggs are also satiating, and you know they're, they really help you feel full, so that you don't you know crave foods soon afterwards so eggs are truly a wonderful food and i really you know promote them on a regular basis to my patients well that's great that's great insight now and you had said like how many up to how many eggs in a day like what would be your limit well you know i in -in tongue-in-cheek i say to people you know never eat more than three eggs a day or never eat more than five eggs a day but you know what my point i'm trying to make to people is don't worry about eggs. Eat eggs as often as you want to. They're they're great protein source. They're full of nutrient value, and they're satiating. Uh, they're good for you. So don't worry about eggs. Great. Okay, myth number three. Salt causes high blood pressure and should be avoided. You know, in the 1940s, Rob, a, a Duke University researcher named Walter Kempner, M.D., he, came, he became famous for using salt restriction to treat people with high blood pressure. Um, later, studies confirmed that reducing salt could help reduce hypertension. Um, 
Large-scale scientific reviews have determined that there's no reason for people with normal blood pressure to restrict their sodium intake. If you already have high blood pressure, you may be salt-sensitive. Only, you know, some people are salt-sensitive, some are not. So if you're not salt-sensitive, you know, cutting the salt out is not going to make any difference in your blood pressure. So as a result, reducing the amount of salt you eat could be helpful although most people only see a very minor decrease in blood pressure with a sodium-restricted diet. So studies show on average lowering your salt can reduce blood pressure by 1 to 5 millimeters of mercury uh, per person. So that's not a lot. You know, if if your blood pressure is 145 over 90, you know, it's probably going to drop it down to 140 over 90 or 140 over 85. Um, You know, that's not a huge change. Now, some people are truly salt-sensitive. This is a a fairly rare minority, um, and those people should really try and avoid salt and keep to a very restricted salt diet. But that is, you know, for the vast majority of people out there who have hypertension, this is just not an issue. How can you tell if you're salt-sensitive? Well, you'll typically find that, you know, when you ingest salt, um, you feel, you know, swollen. Uh, Often you'll see swelling of your ankles or your face, um, you know, etc. And so, yeah, you know, uh, if you ingest large amounts uh, of salt and you're one of these salt-sensitive people, you can, you know, you can get kind of puffy and uh, it can cause you to retain some fluid. But, um, it's you know, it's also been known for the past 20 years that people uh, with high blood pressure who don't want to lower their salt intake can simply consume more potassium-containing foods. Why? Because it's the balance between the two minerals that matters. In fact, you know, Dutch researchers uh, determined that a low potassium intake has the same impact on your blood pressure as a high salt consumption does. And as it turns out, you know, the average person consumes about 3,100 milligrams of potassium a day. And that's 1,600 milligrams less than is recommended. So eat more of the healthy potassium-rich foods such as oranges, avocados, grapes, blackberries, tomatoes, artichokes, lima beans, acorn squash, carrots, spinach. You know, other potassium-containing uh, foods include, you know, all meats, sunflower seeds, almonds, chickens, fish, uh, including salmon, cod, and flounder. If you're still not getting enough potassium, you can take a supplement. But, you know, if you eat right and eat lots of the right vegetables, typically you're going you're gonna to be able to, you know, top up your potassium levels. No, Kev, what about bananas? You kind of left that off the list. Aren't they high in potassium? Yeah, you're right, Rob. But, you know, they're generally an unhealthy fruit to eat. So that's why I left them out. And I think we may have talked about this in one of our previous podcasts. You know, um, bananas are high sugar um, and they're very easy for your body to digest. So they cause your blood sugars to go up quite quickly. So contrary to what, you know, people, this could be one of the myths out there as well, is that, you know, people think the bananas are healthy for you and you should eat a banana a day. And it's just not true. Again, it's something that will potentially cause um, a susceptible person to gain weight very quickly and increase their insulin levels. Great. Okay, let's move on to number four. Eating fat makes you fat. So if you want to lose weight, you need to eat less fat. Yeah, Rob. I mean, this one's, again, it's been around for, 
you know, we've been eating low fat and no fat for coming on to 40 years now. And, you know, people, they have more problems than ever with weight. You know, fat is the tissue that's under our skin that makes us look soft and puffy. And if we have too, you know, if we have too much of it, and, and therefore it seems logical that if you're eating fat, um, it would give us even more of it. However, this depends entirely on the context. You know, diets that are high in fat and carbs can make you fat, but it's not because of the fat. In fact, diets that are high in fat but low in carbs consistently lead to more weight loss than low-fat diets, even when the low-fat group restricts calories. Uh, and that was uh, some research done and published in uh, New England Journal of Medicine, May 2003. And there's, and there's many. I'm just, I'm just throwing out a, you know, some of these uh, actual published reports. Um, severely obese subjects with a high prevalence of diabetes or metabolic syndrome lost more weight during six months on a carbohydrate-restricted diet than on a calorie and fat-restricted diet, with a relative improvement in insulin sensitivity and triglycerides even after adjustment for the amount of weight lost. Then another study published in uh, Obesity Reviews, the 12th of August, 2008, showed the same results and also indicated that blood pressure was also reduced in the carbohydrate-reduced group. So doesn't uh, fat have more calories uh, than protein and carbohydrates? So doesn't it mean then that fats will increase our total caloric intake and therefore we'll have to exercise more uh, after eating equal amounts versus the carbohydrates? Well, technically this is true, Rob. You know, if you are young and have no blood sugar issues, this is probably true. However, being that over half of North American population has uh, some form of blood sugar dysregulation, um, especially as we age, then this statement has to be revamped. This is where we see the old adage, a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, is just not true. And the reason all comes down to insulin. Insulin is elevated in the body by sugars, starches, and caffeine. When insulin is elevated, it promotes fat deposition. Fat and protein have virtually no effect on raising insulin levels unless eaten in very large quantities frequently. Fat tends to be very satiating, so we tend to feel full faster when we eat fats. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, let's uh, go on to our fifth and final myth here that we're tackling today. The only people who should eat gluten-free are those with celiac disease, which is only about 1% of the population. And this is something I hear quite frequently you know, the kind of the skeptics or the naysayers about, oh, everything's gluten-free or starting to go gluten-free now, you know, this is just a fad. You know, it's often claimed that no one benefits from a gluten-free diet except for patients with celiac disease. Um, this is the most severe form of gluten intolerance affecting about 1% of North Americans. However, another condition called gluten sensitivity is much more common and is said to affect about 6 to 8% of the population. Studies have also shown that gluten-free diets can reduce symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome, uh, and there was a study published on that in the American Journal of Gastroenterology, March 2011. Um, also, schizophrenia, uh, that was published in the uh, British Journal of Psychi Psychiatry in 1969. Autism, it was published in uh, Nutritional Neurosciences, September 2003, and Epilepsy, uh, European Journal of Epilepsy, February 1998. 
However, you know, people should eat foods that are naturally gluten-free, like vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, and meats, not gluten-free products. You know, gluten-free junk food is still junk food. And, you know, some new studies suggest that it may be other compounds in wheat that cause some of the digestive problems, not the gluten itself. So many people just feel better on a gluten or grain-free diet. So try it and see how you feel. You know, uh, a lot of people out there aren't necessarily gluten uh, allergic or sensitive or intolerant. They may just be wheat intolerant. So it's a matter of just kind of trying out these things and see seeing what works best for you. Well, well, that's great, Kev. I think this was a great episode to uh, you know just kind of drill into some of these things that are floating around out there, especially when you know people are chatting about uh, health and things like that. And we see uh, just even at the our local market, they had a gluten free eat gluten free booklet out there. So you know these things are. Um, are in front of us and it's good to have the information. So thanks for bringing that information to us today. Yeah. Okay. Rob, that's great. So, uh, as we close this, uh, episode of the, your best you today show, uh, we hope that, uh, it's helped you. And if it does help you, please tell someone else, uh, you can go to, uh, iTunes to give us a rating, uh, on the, um, on the iTunes store, whether it's on your mobile device or on your computer, and uh, you can also go to our website where all the episodes are, all the past episodes are there. And that's at yourbestyoutoday.com. We'll see you on the next episode. This has been another episode of Your Best You Today with Dr. Kevin Jackson and Rob Heppel, where they tackle nutritional topics so that you can become your best you today. To ask a question or leave a comment, visit the website at www.yourbestyoutoday.com. Make sure that you never miss another episode by subscribing to this podcast for free on iTunes.